men unemployed, men unemployed. are having with women the most illegitimate births. So would that not mean the higher level of concentration of poverty? So we should start to understand from this data and all of this feminism is why we have poverty Single motherhood is why we have poverty. Oh, yeah, it is. But why is there single motherhood? Let's continue. Percentage of black illegitimate births in 1963 in D.C. Now, remember, that was D.C. To be fair, that was D.C. Percentage of black illegitimate births in 63 in D.C. census tract as related to medium white family incomes in 1959 census tract. All right, so these are the black illegitimate uh, births versus income. Of white folks, right? Because they're comparing it to, yeah, the medium income of white families. Okay, so this was based in 1960. Uh, I'm sorry, 1959. My bad. So 8,000 and over. Uh, they're saying 12%. Under 8,000, uh, 13%, uh, not that much difference. 6,000, and y'all notice these incomes from back up in the day. Y'all see these incomes from back up in the day, 1959, fast forward to 2021. You see the level of inflation that has gone on and the value of the dollar going down. But I'm a stick. I know this ain't finances. Let's 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 be focused. Let me get focused. Five thousand to under six thousand illegitimate births. Y'all see how these numbers are going up? Over twenty percent, twenty-five percent. Four thousand to under five thousand at thirty percent. Child, this makes me want to straight up cry. Under 4,000. Wow, fam. Under 4,000, the illegitimate birth. For black children, well over 30%. So you're talking 38%, almost 40%. So again, it goes back to this graph. Who can afford to have children? Those that make more money or those that make less money? These numbers 
are reversed. You would think if you know you're not making that much money and plus you're not married, that your birth rate would be low. You would think you're not making that much money that the amount of children you have would be lower. That's not the case. And to add gasoline to the fire, we're talking not only is the income not there to support these children, but what they're calling a traditional family of marriage isn't there either. Okay? Although, in the Black community, we have to keep in mind that even when there is marriage, the percentage of separation and desertion or the father not being in the household from the standpoint of being a provider is still high. So this makes it even worse. So not only are the illegitimate rates are up based on income. So folks literally living in poverty, men living in poverty, the illegitimate birth rates, almost 40%. But even among the men that were married, the high level of absentee fathers that were providers in the household. That was at 20, 25%. Let's continue. All right, so I got to go back up. Oh, I hate how they broke this up. Sorry if I'm making y'all dizzy, family. I got to go back up. <sighs> Dang. And so this one, if I didn't make myself clear, when they talked about uh, these, this particular graph of um, black men, unemployment <coughs> rate, <coughs> excuse me, what uh, white married women separated from their husbands, um, it pretty much ran neck and neck, okay? So with uh, the black men numbers, I would have to assume that was married and um, not married, okay? Versus white women who were separated from their husbands. Okay. which makes it worse and which proves my point that even though black men were employed or not employed, uh, well, even not employed, not employed, which makes it worse, which means that even if black folks were married, that unemployment rate still didn't matter, still didn't matter as compared to white women who were separated from their husbands. Okay. All right. So sorry, I got to reread this child because I done forgot to get to the down to the last part. The American wage system is conspicuous in the degree to which it provides high income for individuals, but is rarely adjusted to ensure that family as well as individual needs are met. 
almost without exception, the social welfare and social insurance system of other industrial democracies provide some adjustment or supplement of beep dot 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 dot. Sorry, sorry, I'm making you dizzy. Sorry, 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 sorry. Workers' income to provide for the extra expenses of those with families. American arrangements do not save, do not save for income tax deduction. The federal minimum wage, ooh, of a dollar twenty-five cent per hour, baby. But I want y'all do that flip side. Go look at what the individual um minimum wage is today. What is it? Uh seven. Like $7 in the South on average. I think the top that I've seen is 15 So it ain't like it moved that much. But all right, it's not finances. The federal minimum wage of $1.25 per hour provides a basic income for an individual, but an income well below the poverty line for a couple, much less a family with children. I think we can say that today. So just fast forward to today. And I am going to pull the data for today after we finished up this series. We're going to get into today's stuff. Just, just Don't fret. We fixing the two. Get into today's data after this series. But that's fitting for today. You cannot take care of family on a minimum wage salary. The 1965 economic report of the president revised the data on the number of persons living in poverty in the United States to take account of the varying needs of families of different sizes, rather than using a flat cutoff of 3,000 income level. The resulting revision illustrates the significance of family size. Using these criteria, the number of poor families is smaller, but the number of large families who are poor increases and the number of children in poverty rises by more than one-third from 11 million to 15 million. This means that one-fourth of the nation's children living in families that are poor, okay? So in other words, they had to take into account the family size as well. And I just also, and I don't know if they're going to get into it in this report, um, but that's the value of young women and men as well. And the men conversation is totally separate with Black fathers being absent from the household meaning also being not only absent financially, but also socially as well. Rearing your boys, showing example to your daughters, what a man's responsibility is, is hugely lost. Now, the value for women, for the most part, depending on your family dynamics. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But women 
who um, talk to their mothers and if their mothers are honest with them, your grandmothers, your aunts, them, if they are honest with you, would give you the game. So meaning I was told by my mom and actually a great aunt. I heard it from her own mouth. So meaning my mom's first aunt, but my great aunt, my grandma's sister, I was literally sitting there and I forgot how they got on the conversation and birth control came up. And so my great aunt said, because she was the only one out of the sisters, my grandma's sisters, who didn't have a lot of children. She only had two. And she said the reason she didn't have a lot of children because she played fake crazy, honey, to get that birth control. Now, this came out of her mouth. She said that back when birth control came out, specifically the pills, that they were only giving them to white women. They were not giving them to black women. So she said she went up in there playing stark, raving mad and crazy. And that's how they were able to get those birth control. She was able to get those birth control pills. Okay. So meaning... They understood back then. So that was my grandma's generation, big mama and them generation. They understood then that having a bunch of children, although children are definitely bring an, an abundance to your life, it enriches your life in certain ways, but you still have to feed those mouths. That's the reality of it. They understood then, this big mama and them, that having a bunch of children puts you at a much higher risk for poverty and a strain to provide for those children. Okay? So when that pill came out, honey, my great aunt went up in there, that hospital, and played stark, raving, crazy to get them birth control pills, okay? So if Big Mom and them, and which, by the way, was one of the conversations that my mother, Big Mom and them, my aunts, all told me about having a lot of children, having children in general from the finance standpoint was made very clear to me, okay? So in other words, the expectations was not for me to be having children and depending on public assistance, okay? It was very much instilled in me that when you have children, 
what a heavy responsibility it is from a financial standpoint. All right? I did not hear, oh, let's replenish the earth. Have as many as you want. That ain't how I grew up. That ain't what I heard. I didn't hear that from the women in my family, nor did I hear that from the men in my family. So this notion of men running around, melanated men, black men, and not all, not all by any means. A bunch of idiots. Yep, I said it. A bunch of idiots. Specifically in the unconscious community and specifically in religious groups talking that crap about having a bunch of children and how it's your duty to have a bunch of children to populate the earth, but yet the numbers on how black men as a collective are providing for those children is devastating. It is devastating. So let's continue. In overall terms, medium family incomes is lower for large family is lower for large families than for small families. Families of six or more children have a medium incomes 24% below families with three. It may be added that 40%, 47% of young men who failed the selective service education test comes from family of six or more. Wow. So they're throwing in their family. <sighs> this is sad. This is really sad. This, this is hard to get through family. This is really hard to get through because we're talking from the 40s through the 60s. Child, I know I'm going to have to get myself together when we do the updated stats. But um, this is hard. So what it's saying is that men, black men that come from large families, almost 50% of them can't even pass the test to get into the service the military, 47% of the men who come from larger families, which would make sense if they grew up in poverty, which the stats say more than likely they did grow up in poverty. The focus is different, right? focuses on survival, day-to-day -day survival. Focus is not as much on education. This, this is really sad. This is really, really sad. So when we talk about family, now remember this is the 60s. I want us to keep in mind this is the 60s. So we should see the cycle of black men being left behind from a, in an education standpoint. 
During the 1950s-60 decade of heavy Negro migration to the cities of the North and West, the ratio of black to white family income in cities increased from 57 to 63%. Corresponding declines in the ratio in the rural, non-farm, and farm areas kept the national ratio virtually unchanged. Okay, so let's just make sure we're reading this right. Okay, so uh, black, the ratio of black to white family income in the cities increased from 57% to 63. Okay, that makes sense. Move to the cities, the incomes increase, which that's what they were supposed to do, which was the, uh, the reasons from the, the reason for the great migration of blacks from the south to the north. Okay, uh, suburbs, it didn't really change, and farms, it didn't, or the country, it didn't change. But between 1960 and 1963, medium black family income slipped from 55% to 53% of white income. The drop occurred in three regions, with only the South, where a larger portion of Negro families have more than one earner, showing a slight improvement. Wow. So it seems like started to change in uh, starting in the 60s. Ratio of black to white family medium income, United States regions. So this is uh, from the period of 1960 to 1963. So overall in the United States, uh, 55%. Ciao. 55% in the 1960s. 53% in 61, 53% in 62, 53% in 63. Remember, we're comparing uh, black uh, to white family medium income. In the Northeast region, it was 68%. And we're talking black. 61, 67%, 62, 66%, 63%, 65%. North Central. Okay, so the Midwest fared a little better. A lot better, actually. In the 60s, it was 74%, 72% in 61, 68% in 62, 73% in 63. Okay. I'm wondering if it was better in the Midwest because of the, um, the factory jobs. I'm just guessing. Just guessing. The South. Ooh, it's bad in the South which makes sense, which is reason for the Great Migration. 43% in the 60s, 43% in 61, 47% in uh, 62, 45% in 63. In the West, out West. Oh, out West, y'all did better. So in 1960, compared to white, uh, black income, fam medium family income was 81% compared to whites in the 60s, 87% in 61. I wonder what, what went on out west in 61. Interesting. In 62, uh, 73%. In 63, 76%.
That's interesting. That's very, very interesting. I didn't expect that for out west. That's interesting, right? So they're giving you the source for this information, the Department of uh, Commerce, the Census, and Population Reports, uh, Incomes of Family and Persons in the United States, okay? So they're giving you the uh, sources of that information. Because in general terms, Negro families have the largest number of children and the lowest incomes. Many Negro fathers literally cannot support their families, okay? So shout out to my great aunt. What did I say my great aunt had said? Now remember my great aunt? That means my grandmother, big mama, sister, Gave me the lowdown. I so happened to be sitting there. Child, I don't even remember how they got on that conversation. I was just so happened sitting there. And that conversation came up. But I'm going to tell you, my subconscious, I don't, don't know what the hell went on with the rest of that conversation. But I sure remember that important piece. She said the white women were give, given the birth control and the black women weren't. She had to go up in there and play crazy to get that birth control. So that would make sense why black fathers had more mouths to feed. He had a larger family, okay? Because the father is either not present, is unemployed, or makes such a low wage, the Negro woman goes to work. Child, let me sip my water. Here's another false narrative folks need to come up off of. So y'all sitting up here talking about that black women went in the workforce to be independent. Ain't that one of the other false narratives that black men, not all black men, and again, if the shoe fits, lace it up and wear it because hit dogs will holler. Are running around saying that black women are working. You're too independent to have a man. Well, according to this study, because the father is either not present, is unemployed, or makes such a low wage, the Negro woman goes to work. Now, if this was back in the 60s, that means that the baby boomer generation, those women were going to work. Why were they going to work? Because the father is either not present, unemployed, or makes such a low wage, the Negro woman goes to work. So if the Negro woman or the black woman had to go outside of the household to work for those reasons, as she is raising her daughters, if she does not want the same fate, fate for her daughter, 
daughters? What would she teach and instill in her daughter? Daughters. She would teach them the dynamics of having a lot of children, who you have children with, and even if you have children, always be in the position to support yourself, number one. And number two, just in case, just in case your mate decides to not be present or is unemployed, okay? And if you had a real soldier as a mother, a man being unemployed, laying up in a home on a consistent basis, you ain't finna be up in that home, no way. Because what is his purpose? Okay? Also, in this dynamic, let's be clear. Even with women that stayed married, this goes back to the silent generation. So that means Big Mama and Papa and them. What's not talked about in this report, but see, when your elders sit down and really give you the truth, when your elders really sit down and give you the truth, it impacts you greatly. Not sugarcoating anything. When they really give you the truth, it changes things drastically. Because don't think that Big Mama and them had it easy. They did not. Although Big Mama and them stayed in the house, those that were still married, which were a large percent of them were, those who still had the husband in the household do not think it was all peaches and cream for her. Because what's not tracked in this report is the, uh, the level of abuse that they suffered. Okay? That's what's missing in this report. And she had no choice, or she made the choice. She did have a choice. But she made the choice to endure that abuse. Why? Because she did not want to either go on welfare or have her children, which is the same thing if you're going on welfare, in concentrated poverty. Okay? That's the part that's not talked about in this report. So if you are Big Mama and you've seen the road that your daughters went down, that they tried it again with marriage, still got into the same desertion situations or becoming single mothers. And now the difference is they were able to get jobs 
And the reason they had to go out the household and work because the father is either not present, is unemployed or making such a low wage. The Negro woman goes to work. By this time, it's the baby boomer women. And sometimes Big Mama and them did too. Now, don't get it twisted. Sometimes they did. Taking in laundry. That's probably under the table. Going to work in somebody's cafeteria, being a cook or being a housewife. But definitely by the baby boomers time, this is the reason black women went into the workforce. So you as big mama seeing your personal situation of either being in an abusive marriage or having an absentee husband that's not providing and then seeing your daughters follow the same fate, what would you tell your granddaughters? You're going to tell your granddaughters, number one, don't be having no bunch of babies. Number two, you better vet who you decide to have children with and you better vet them very well. And the number one important thing that Big Mama gonna tell you is be able to take care of yourself. Be able to take care of yourself. Not out of spite, but out of survival. Okay? 56% of Negro women ages 25 to 64 are in the workforce against 42% of white women. This dependency on the mother's income undermines the position of the father and deprives the children of the kind of attention, particularly in school matters which is now a standard feature of middle-class upbringing. So now, y'all want to run that past me again of that independent black woman narrative that the black man collective is throwing around? You want to run that past me again? It was out of survival because the impact is the dependent on the mother's income undermines the position of the father and deprives the children of the kind of attention, particularly in school matters, which is now a standard feature of middle-class upbringing. So the impact of a woman with children working outside of the household, the children are impacted. Because the woman primarily is the nurturer and the teacher 
So helping them babies with that homework, all of that. Did you brush your teeth? Did you wash your behind? Uh-uh, come here. No, you didn't. Let's go in this bathroom. No, nah, I need to see how you brushing your teeth. Nope. Pull that homework up. Uh-uh, go get that book bag. What you mean you ain't got no homework? Oh, okay. So you finna tell me that? Okay. I'm going up to that school tomorrow. And you let me tell, you let that teacher tell me I'm a tell. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Now you found it. Let's hit it. That's the impact. Who your friends? That little boy that you hanging out with, that little fast tail girl you hanging out with, I don't want to see you with him anymore. You understand me? That's the impact. That is the impact. They knew where their children were, who their children were playing with. They knew how their children were doing in school. That's the impact. So now, you want to run past me again? This independent black woman's construct that's being thrown around? Let's continue. The dimension grows. The dimensions of the problems of the Negro Americans are compounded by the present extraordinary growth in Negro population. At the founding of the nation and into the first decade of the 19th century, one American in five was a Negro. And I say them numbers are higher, but that's that. Okay, so I'll take a pause. I'll be right back. All right, family, here we go. The proportion declined steadily until it was only 1 in 10 by 1920, where it held until, I had to make sure I was recording now. That's why I hate to have to stop start. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me just read that again. The dimensions of the problems of Negro Americans are compounded by the present extraordinary growth in Negro population. At the founding of the nation and into the first decade of the 19th century, one American in five was a Negro. And I was saying I dispute those numbers, but I know this is not a true history lesson, um, but I'll continue, which really makes this report worse, but I'll continue. The proportion declined steadily until it was only one in 10 by 1920, where it held until the 1950s when it began to rise. Since 1950, the Negro population has grown at a rate of 2.4% per year compared with 1.7% for the total population. If this rate continues in seven years, one American in eight will be non-white. Which I think even back then, uh, the ratio of black folk to white folk, it was much higher. But I'm just going to continue. These changes are the result of a decline Negro death rate 
now approaching that of the nation generally and the fertility rate that grew steadily during the post-war period. By 1959, the ratio of white to non-white fertility rates reached one in one. Both the white and black fertility rates have declined since 1959, but the differential has not narrowed. Okay, so black folks having more children than white folks, basically. Family size increased among black families between 1950 and 1960 as much for those without fathers as for those with fathers. So y'all see that? So meaning by the time 1950s hit, which this is what blew my locks back, because I expected them child to say the 70s, that we start having a high rate or increased rate of single mothers. This stuff started in the 50s. Average, average family size changed little among white families. Okay, now remember, this based on what my aunt told me, that white women had access to birth control. Black women didn't. Okay? Because I'm sure everybody was getting it on. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. Let's be fair. I'm sure everybody was getting it on now. But if you got birth control versus not having birth control, eh, that's the result. And it goes back to birth control primarily being put on the woman Versus the man. So if women, and this is across the board, this is with white folk and black folk, the responsibility of birth control being put primarily on women and back up in the day, if black women did not have access to birth control, but white women did, hence the reason why black women had more children than white women. Okay, so men take note. We all know how babies are born. So if you don't want to be a single father, if you're not ready to have a child, for whatever reason, it doesn't matter whether or not you like the woman, you don't like the woman, you in love with the woman, you ain't in love with the woman, it does not matter. If you are not ready to be a father, for whatever the reason may be, you have control over that. Okay? You can go to the drugstore and go on and get them condoms and let that be what it be. So this excuse of single motherhood being solely on a woman is absolutely ignorant. It's ignorant because anytime you as a man, anytime you as a man, do not 
want to be a father and you don't strap it up, that's your fault. That is absolutely your fault. Because you had a choice. Ain't nobody trapped you, none of that. Even if you claim that she said she's protected, it's still your fault. Because if you're not ready for whatever the reason may be, strap it up. Average family size change little among white families with a slight increase in the size of husband white families balanced by a decline in the size of families without fathers. Average number of family members by type of family and color. So this is 1960 and 1950. Okay, they made a mistake. Why didn't they say 1950 and 1960? Okay, type of family. Okay, white and black. Let's go to the 50s. So all families. Uh, white, 3.5 in the 50s, 4%. In the black, in the 60s, 3.58. In the 60s, 4.3. Husband and wife. In the 50s, for whites, 3.6%. For blacks, 4.16%. In the 60s, 3.66%. For for blacks, 4.41%. Other male-headed... Uh, three three percent for whites for blacks three point six three percent so a little bit higher for white uh two percent almost three percent and for black men uh three point five percent female headed house uh in the fifties three. 3% for whites, 3.82% for black women. This is in the 50s, in the 60s for whites. Oh, why did it drop? It dropped a little bit for white women in the 60s. That's interesting. 2.93% and then for black women, 4.0%. Okay. Okay, so this was um, overall with the types of families between uh, for 1950 and 1960. They got this data from the census population. So that's interesting. Negro women not only have more children. Now, y'all know before I leave up off of this. So now y'all should know when the census are asking all them questions. This is why, okay? And I know y'all have probably heard recently because they've been trying to get folks to fill out the census. 
also it determines uh, based on population and all of that and income and all of that, what type of funding uh, federally is given out at the state level and I'm sure the local municipality level as well, okay? And also with the census, those of you that have done your genealogy, census play a very big part, okay? A very, very big part of tracing your family lineage. Uh, you can trace in your own family uh, lineage, marriage, the number of children, um, as well as if you go far back enough on the census, if you can track back with your family, you'll even see um, in some cases, if they were enslaved, you have to use other supplemental records to do that as well, or not. And even in some cases on those census, you can catch where your family was classified as Indian. Further back you go. And then further in the future you go, it was changed to Black, Negro. Um, I don't think I've ever seen colored on the census. I, I may have. I can't remember. It may have been a year or two it was colored. Okay. All right. So that's the importance of census. Okay. Negro women not only have more children, but have them earlier. Okay, it's another one of them conversations that mothers should be having with their daughters. And if you had Big Mama and them around, back up in my day, show sure was a conversation they had with me. Thus, in 1960, there were 1,247 children ever born per thousand ever married black women, 15 to 19 years of age. Do y'all understand what they're saying? In the 1960s, if that's per thousand, that would have to be 100, 247,000 children were born by non-married black women from the ages of 15 to 19 against only 725,000 among white women. Okay? The Negro fertility rate overall is now 1.4 times the white. But what might be called the generation rate is 1.7 times the white. Okay? So meaning having children out of wedlock at an early age, 15 to 19 years old, was greater with black women than white women, okay? Now, the white women dynamic, again, you can also factor in 
their access to birth control. And some would even say, depending on how wealthy the family is, terminating pregnancies as well. Okay. But either way, because to be honest, I'm surprised that the number for white women are, that's still high, relatively high as well. Okay. So make no mistake about it. As far as I'm concerned, and you could say this is my personal opinion. I'll put it in there. This is my personal opinion. It ain't like people wasn't getting it on because they was getting it in that 15 to 19. They was getting it in. All right, let's continue. Fertility rates <clears throat> for black women are one third higher than those for white women. Okay, so for black women, uh, going all the way back to the 20s, okay, I don't, I don't think they had birth control back then. Uh, they may have had some creams or whatever. Because birth controls really started kicking in them pills, I want to say around the 50s. But nonetheless, you can see the line for black women with fertility has always been higher than that of white women. So meaning black women were having more children. Okay. So this also kind of proves my point that the numbers that they say in the white population was larger than the black population. Uh, those numbers never were really true. Okay. All right. Because even their data back here from the 1920s, black women were having more children. Okay. This population growth must inevitably lead to an unconceivable crisis in the Negro unemployment. The most conspicuous failure of the American social system in the past 10 years has been its inadequacy of providing, uh, providing during the rest of the 19th, wait, let me make sure, providing jobs, sorry y'all, the most conspicuous failure of the American social system in the past 10 years has been its inaccuracy and in, inadequacy in providing jobs for Negro youth. So again, I'm going to say this is the black man or black men as a collective depending on a white system, specifically a white supremacy system for employment. Thus, in January 1965, the unemployment rate for Negro teenagers stood at 29%. This problem will now become steadily more serious. Population and labor force projections by color. Okay, so they're, uh, ooh, chow. Okay, I don't even think that's improved. So let's see, the civilian population age 14 and over. For whites, uh, and 54 to 64, they were saying 15% projected uh, beyond 64 through 79%. So they expected a drop. For blacks, actually, uh, uh, 
okay, I'll, let me just continue. For blacks, between uh, 54 to 64, this is the actual. 23%, what they project, and 64 to 70, 19% or 20%. So not that big of a drop for labor force projections for blacks over the years versus for whites. Civilian labor force are for whites 14% and uh, 54 to 64. The projection for beyond from 64 to 70, 10%. For blacks, uh, the actual numbers from 54 to 64 is 19%. Dang. The projected for 64 to 70 is actually 20%, so a 1% increase. So under the Black uh, Civilian Labor Force footnote, it says, population and labor force projection by color were made by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. <clears throat> they have not been revisited since the total population and labor force were re-estimated, but are considered accurate measures of the relative magnitudes of increase. All right, so they're just giving you the source and the reason why. Let me get some water. During the rest of the 1960s, the black civilian population, 14 years of age and over, will increase by 20% more than double that of the white race. So double the population for teenagers, but they're less employed. The non-white labor force will correspondently increase 20% in the next six years, double the rate of increase in the non-white labor force of the past decade. Dang, y'all. So this straight the reverse is what they're saying. So what they're saying is more black children are being born in the 60s, but less of them are being employed as compared to white folks. Less white people or children are being born than black children, but more of them are being employed. Okay, so again, I'm going to say that should clearly go to if you are in a system of white supremacy, they are going to look out up for their own and provide their own with jobs. So meaning... If black men are depending on a system of white supremacy for employment, they're always going to come up shorthanded. Okay? In this case, 50%. Number of children per black mother age. Okay, this is by family income. Um, so they're saying between the ages of 35 and 39, this is in 1960, this is, okay, the income, yep, 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 
So under $2,000 a year for black mothers, the ages of 35 to 39, 5%, $2,000 to $4,000 a year, 4%, 4.3%, 4,000 to under 5,000, 4%, 5,000 to under 6,000, 3.8%, 6,000, so y'all should see the trend here, to under 7,000 percent, 3.5%, 7,000 to 9,000 or under 10,000, 3.2%. Now, this is the number of children. 10,000 to 14,000, under 15,000 is 2.9%. 15,000 and over 2.9%. So isn't this reverse? This goes back to a logic and value perspective. Who can afford to have children the most? Is it people making less income? Or is it people making more income? You would think that folks would logically understand that the more money you make, the more you are able to take care of those children. So you would think this chart would show upside down regarding the number of children. But yet it is the reverse. The people with less income, the people who are living in poverty, are having the most children. This is with black women. All right. As with the population as a whole, there is much evidence that children are being born most rapidly in those Negro families with the least financial resources, okay? Now, I've been pointing that out for quite a few graphs here. This is an ancient pattern, but because the needs of children are greater today, it is very possible that the education and opportunity gap between the offspring of these families and those of stable middle-class unions is not growing, is not closing, rather, but it's growing wider, which would make sense because if among the black collective, you have people making the least amount of money, people in poverty having more children, then the middle, then the middle class, then the, the growth of black middle class between poverty just keeps getting wider and wider. A cycle is at work. Too many children too early make it most difficult for parents to finish school. You don't say. You don't say. In February 1963, 38% of the white girls who dropped out of school did so because of marriage or pregnancy, as against 49% of black girls. Child. 
So this is by 1963. This is by 1963. An Urban League study in New York reported that 44% of girl dropouts left school because of pregnancy. Low education levels in turn produce low income levels, which deprive children of many opportunities. And so the cycle repeats itself. This should be no surprise to us. This is simple logic, family. So when Big Mama Nim, your mother, your aunts Nim, talk to you about not having children at an early age, not having a lot of children because it leads to poverty, uh, they knew what they was talking about. Okay. So it goes into deeper levels, which this report is not going to talk about. Were those conversations being had as a black collective in the poverty state? Are those Black families that were living in poverty, were those conversations being, being had on the impact of having children at an early age and having a bunch of children, it's linked to poverty and it's linked to staying impoverished, being passed down from mother to daughter, and from father to son, were those conversations being had? Let's continue. All right, so we're going to stop there. Okay, so they're getting into pathology. And I want to be fresh for that because I know this is quite long anyway. So family, again, just for references purposes, this is the Mohenhan report. The case for national action, the Negro family. Now, this was the case for national action back in the 60s. This report was published in 1965. And this report Statistics goes from the 1940s all the way up to 1963. This is the Office of Policy Planning and Research, United States Department of Labor. So we're going to come back um, probably either later this week, get into part three of this, into the pathology uh, in this series, The Decline and Destruction of the Black Family. Remember, my purpose for doing this is to give the Black collective some of the main root causes for what we see today in the Black family structure and single parent households. And this is only going back to the 1940s from the statistical standpoint. But as we saw, 
they said even as early as as what they can say as early as emancipation so you would have to say 1865 that black women were carrying the role of head of household. That's as early as 1865, and it it started to become more and more prevalent, okay? They gave you the reasonings in 1865, which was because of the men just coming up out of war, out of trauma, et cetera, et cetera. But as we get into the 1940s, okay, some of it was still stemmed from racism. But then you got into the huge issue of unemployment and desertion by the black man from his family because of unemployment. Okay. Compound with having large families. And then by the time it gets to the 60s, the increase of young teenage black girls getting pregnant and not being married, all right? So we're going to come back uh, either later this week or early next week. I'm going to try to do another one uh, sometime this week, part three, to get into the pathology. Uh, I will also leave a link to this report in the description for the family to have a copy of this report for yourself. You can go through it yourself. I would hope that black men, black women as a collective, you are having these conversations. You are having honest conversations. I would hope that black fathers will go through this report with their sons. I would hope that black mothers would go with this go through this report with their daughters to understand the patterns. Okay? So thank you family for being patient with me. This is Rhonda with WTUZ Radio Podcast. Peace and love.